Hello all, this is John Friso. I first met Matt at a meeting of Society of Professional Investigators. As I listened to his episodes of PI Perspectives, other guests were answering the very questions that I was looking for. PI Perspectives provides a wealth of information. Thank you, Matt. The Campbell Group offers best-in-the-industry pricing, service, and coverage for private investigators. With more than 25 years of experience in the industry and over 3,000 PIs insured nationally, the Campbell team has the expertise to make sure you have the coverage you need. Submit an application and receive a quote within 24 hours. Let them know you're a PI Perspectives listener on your application for $50 off your yearly premium. I want to talk to everybody today about scopenow.com. Scopenow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time, and I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers, and it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is ScopeNow is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information, I think is one of the best points of how ScopeNow can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know, having that relationship, you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out, and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports and put your own logos on, and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So. Check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox, along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. ScopeNow.com. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Today, we welcome longtime California PI, Mike Spencer. Like Matt, Mike's had a fair share of personal injury cases over the years. The guys compare notes and talk shop on how to do these cases. So please welcome Mike Spencer and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. I'm very excited today to uh, welcome Mike Spencer to the program. I, I've heard Mike uh, years ago on John Hoda's podcast, a great investigator. Mike's well-known in the industry. He's on the, the left coast 
Mr. West Coast guy. Uh, so Mike Spencer from Spencer Legal Investigations. Mike, I want to welcome you to the program. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for coming on. So I did uh, hear you on John Hoda's program like a while ago. I think you were promoting a book. So uh, Private Eye Confidential is the name of the book. And let's get that promotion out of the way because it's still a book. <laughs> That's your right. right. So if, if I book. must. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what, what's the book about. So I know some guys who run a, a publishing house. There's a little side project. They're both professors and their publishing house is called 99 The Press. So they published these 99-page books on different subject matters. So the one guy, you know, pitched me. He said, like, hey, you know, why don't you write something about private investigations? And I thought, oh, what a perfect fit. Because in my writing styles of former journalist, I tend to be a very compact writer. Mm-hmm. So I just enjoyed the format of, of telling people a little bit about myself and about my cases in 99 pages because I just don't have – uh, the skill or the attention span to write something bigger. Yeah. So that's how it came about. Uh, I'm with you. Um, and how long have you been a private investigator? Really getting to date myself here. <laughs> you can lie. Sorry. I became licensed, I would say, in early 1997. And when I got licensed at the time, I argued that my newspaper reporting experience in, in California, we have to have 6,000 hours and then passed the examination. So I successfully argued that my newspaper experience should count for a year's worth. And then I worked under, must have worked under about four other investigators getting my hours to get the requirements and pass the test. So right, right about 97, I had my own license, but I was working under, I first started doing workers' comp investigations, not the surveillance part, but the interviewing of, of witnesses and companies, doing some criminal defense, doing a little of this, a little of that. And it was good exposure for working in the industry because you sort of figure out, okay, what do I really like to do? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's so many different things we can do in this industry. Um, I, I've always found, um, you know, finding what your passion is and and what you're good at and just focusing in on that, uh, which is the subject that actually we're talking about today, uh, which would be personal injury cases, which, you know, if anybody knows me or my background, you know, that that's literally how I built my business working for a law firm uh, in-house uh, for several years before venturing out on my own. Um, what has your been, been your experience as far as personal injury goes? Like, how did you get into to doing that kind of work? I met a bunch of trial lawyers. One one night, I had joined a trial lawyers association as an associate member. Mm-hmm. So one night, I go to their judge's dinner, and I know absolutely no one. Yeah. And I just sit down at this table with about 10 or 11 lawyers, and I'm you know the only investigator in the room of like 300 people. Right. So that's kind of how it started. And they gave me a couple of cases, and there was a, a guy by the name of Rick Simmons out here who did some of the the biggest cases about 25 years ago against the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. on the West Coast. And I I worked for Rick on in some of his other cases and I just I just learned a lot. Yeah. There was one one case was like a, a guardrail collapsed. A car struck a guardrail. And we determined that they had installed the guardrail incorrectly. They were supposed to like gently collapse, except Mm. for this one, it was like a spear. Oh boy. So this poor woman loses control on a road, hits the guardrail, punctures her car, 
punctures her femoral artery and Oof. she goes off the road and she's down in the ditch for like 24 hours and she's found. Yeah. Totally. So dead. That was, <laughs> she's not she lived. She lived. She, oh God, really? she lived. But wow. that was one of uh, our first cases. And the, the other one was this doctor is driving on a highway out here, just a sunny day, just the 11 o'clock in the morning. And like a, a three pound chunk of metal comes through his windshield, hits him and kills him. And we're just like, where the hell did it come from? What the hell is it? Right. It didn't have a serial number on it, but what we determined was it's used like on a cargo ship to stack containers. It's like a, a just a metal device. And obviously some trucker didn't uh, keep it off the material. So that was my exposure to, to personal injury investigations. Yeah, crazy, crazy. So you, know, you, you said a couple of things in, in the beginning. I just want to uh, go back on. You had said, um, you know, the trial lawyers association as, as an associate member, you were able to, to join. Like that is the bread and butter for getting uh, work with attorneys, right? If you want to work with attorneys, you need to hang out with attorneys. <laughs> you need to go where they get, where they are. Right. And I, I always tell folks, you need to contribute to their charities, you know, things that, that, that are important to them um, and, and just be present, right. Out of sight, out of mind. Um, but there's nothing like going to an event like that and having a current client there already introduce you to another attorney and say, Hey, you should use Mike. He's great at, at, at doing this stuff. Like he hit a home run for me on this case. Like that's the stuff that like, whatever costs you to be a part of that, um, association and there's always a buy-in right there's always a buy-in to be a part of that like it, it it's the return on investment i mean i'm talking like a hundred times and a hundred times multiple of what you spend to get on this stuff you're going to get back if you do it properly um I, and you're in the what right i home. like about it is it's not a hard set and mm -hmm. you're going out to these things and you're not pushing for business you don't have to like you know hire me hire me it's just a an osmosis type thing it's yeah. like oh this guy's normal he's a decent guy oh <laughs> i've met him before so and so knows him and that's right. how it works it just takes it, time. It, it goes a long way and then what happens is you know they all have their message boards right i mean i'm looking for right. a really good investigator who do you use and you know one of, one of your clients will say hey use, use spencer those those are the guys you got to use those guys and then like Two or three of your other clients would be like, yeah, we use them. They're, they're, they're great. They're really good, right? And then the next thing you know, there's five or six people that read that on the message board that are calling you and saying, you know, I, I need a good investigator. I'm not happy with what I have. Or, you know, I've never really worked with an investigator. Um, also, like, things you can do for these um, trial lawyers association, they, they all have continuing education, right? So you volunteer to, to teach on it. Offer... Uh, something uh, for new associates, right? So like I, I actually had a, a meeting yesterday with the president of the trial lawyers association here in New York, who happens to be a client of mine. So like we, I went and had a meeting with him and we were talking about things and just spitball. And he's like, yeah, we're trying to do this like event where if uh, a, a lawyer shows up and they've only been in business you know, on their own for like less than three or four years, like we'll give them a, a, a free year membership if they sign up at that particular point. And I was like, great, I'll give you, even, I'll go even further. I'll give like a 10% discount on my services as incentive for them to join as well, right? You can get this 10% discount with our partner here, Satellite Investigation. So it's like synergy, we're working together. 
And the guy's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Right. So being like creative with your marketing and kind of understanding how to do that. And and I love when I get asked to talk at you know, conferences about this stuff because I'm, I just, I just love it. I love the connection of, of, of growing the business and um, doing it. I, I admit I slipped during COVID. I lost a little, I'm, I'm naturally, I'm an introvert, but I'm, I call myself like a functioning introvert, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but, but COVID was sort of the, just this like collapse into your inner world. And mm-hmm. I've, I've really told myself in the last year, shake it off, get out mm-hmm. there, go do like, what did I do to make myself initially successful? Well, guess what? That never ends. And you just have to keep plugging. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, you're you're 100 correct on that, man. And you know, just being creative with with how you're uh, how you're doing what you're doing too. You know, I, I also um, you you said something beginning that that reminded me uh, of an experience I had at one of these events. So it was a it was a big event. There were probably five six hundred attorneys that were attending, and one of my clients was a was a sponsor, and uh, they were like, "Hey, did you, are you going to this event?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're, he's like, "Well, don't sit at the table." back there. Come sit at my table. He's like, I got a, I got a Diaz. Like I got a really good table. It's a good location. Come sit with me. I was like, Oh yeah, great. Thank you. So I go sit down and to the left of me and to the right of me are two judges. Right. And I'm immediately I'm bummed because I'm just like, these aren't potential clients for me. Like these are, these know are everyone. Judges, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, everybody else in this room is incredibly jealous of where I'm sitting right now because they have the ability to sit next to, you know, these attorneys and, uh, or, or sit next to these judges. And I'm the guy who gets the things to the judge and, uh, and they don't, uh, so it was like one of these things. It was weird. I, like, I didn't want that seat, but they got the seat. So what are you going to do? Um, they, it was, it was super, super interesting, you know, and I think just, uh, you know, understanding what, exactly what the attorneys need is really important too. So, you know, you can't just decide like, Oh, I want to be a personal injury investigator. Like there's plenty of courses that are out there and, and, and source material to learn how to, how to do that stuff and understanding the lingo of what's important and what to look for is definitely something that's key as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, you got your foot in the door. You got the, the, the reputation there. How, how did you, How'd you focus? What what was your your target on on building uh, in and building up that that business? It was getting in, like we we talked about. It, it was getting in that mix of attorneys, and attorneys are maybe this isn't the right term. Sort of hyper conservative about who they let into their little family. Yeah, it's guarded. Sure. So it's just like word attorneys are all word of mouth so it was just always keeping up within those circles the other thing too that happens and and you've probably had this happen is there's always sort of a a cycle in the business for like five or ten years you're the darling of the one firm and then for whatever reason relations just don't keep up and they stop using you. But meanwhile, here comes your, your next client. So you get in good with them and that's just the business. You're, you're just, yeah. there's always sort of a, a churn a little bit and you always want, there's also, there's always that handful of clients that are either not mine, of course, slow pay or just right. kind of pains. So we always sort of want to keep 
upgrading clients and you know better cases, better clients, yeah, better cash flow. I mean, you're you're going to find that in any sector, right? There's always going to be folks that that take a little bit of extra time to pay that invoice. Um, I, I have a strict policy on that. Strict. First of all, I get a credit card up front. Now, I'm not yeah. saying I'm running that credit card right away. Um, I use it as backup, right? And, well, you know, it's like if 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 you're a regular with a demonstrated history of good payment, no problem, not an issue. Yeah. If you are from out of the area, I've never dealt with you before, and this case is going to take some hours. Yeah, you're paying a retainer. Yeah. And um, you know, just just having that resource up front, I let them pay by check if they want, but I hold the card. Um, just in case. Right. And uh, I almost never have to use that card without them wanting to do it, but, it, but it's, it's a way to do it, you know, and, and you get a sense of the person you're talking to as well. Um, I've gotten to the point where, you know, my, I've been doing this for a long time, right? I'm almost 20 years in business and I'm not the cheapest guy out there. So, you know, you'll talk to people and you'll, they'll, you'll get a sense if this is going to be a good fit or not. Cause they're like, Oh, well, you know, that's, that's a bit pricey. It's a bit expensive. This and that. It's like, well, go use somebody else then. <laughs> you know, good luck to, to that. Good, but the, good but the quality, get it and know it. Yeah, yeah. And the good ones do. And that's the thing. And that's the difference between a bar association and, and a, a trial learning, a trial lawyer association, right? Because they're two separate things. So folks understand. Not every attorney uh, that practices law tries cases. And I find that the attorneys that actually try cases get it. They get it. They want the leverage. They, they want to investigate the case. Uh, one guy uh, to me many years ago, he goes, I always spend money on investigations because it's like playing with house money. Right? And for those of you that gambled, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So it's like they take their winnings. They take the, the I'm ahead of the game here. Let me take some of my resources and spend it on investigating the case and working the case up, right? Now, us as investigators and understanding the personal injury world, we have to price ourselves appropriately, right? Because we don't want to price ourselves out of the market, but we, we want to price what, what we should be paid as well, right? So don't want to make yourself too cheap. Um, you don't want to make yourself too expensive. You got to find that sweet spot somewhere in between. Um, and you get a sense of it. The longer you do it, uh, you, you get a sense correct. of it. I, I use the poker analogy all the time. It's like, all right, the attorney wants to take down a $500,000 pot you want to be like the the table bully and yeah. buy that pot and i i don't if you have a, a if what's at stake is a settlement of five hundred thousand or a million dollars and you have multiple witnesses i don't think whatever ten thousand to an investigator is an unreasonable fee that's just the cost of doing business well here's the way i sell it you have a fiduciary, the return, the attorney has a fiduciary responsibility to investigate that case. If you're not putting all the available resources into getting your client the max amount of money they're entitled to, you're violating a fiduciary responsibility, in my opinion, right? So, you know, and, and sometimes those are tough conversations because they're like, especially early on in the game, when you don't know what insurance policies are on the table. Right. So when a case first comes in, in New York anyways, right. So, you know, nobody knows, and I'm talking motor vehicle cases, nobody knows the, the value of the case. They don't know how much insurance is involved until the declarations have been exchanged. 
but you don't want to wait that long because you want to get out there and investigate the case, right? So it could be a death case, could be a severe injury. You know, there's so many video cameras out there now. You can't wait, you know, 40 days until the carrier gets back to you and tells you how much policy you have. And then you say, okay, well, there's, there's money to be had here. Now we're going to go investigate it. No, you got to get out there and do it because those images are gone. Like those people are and gone. That's, that's yeah. the, the big advantage too, is we deal a lot with witnesses. It's, yeah. it's a constant of the case. The witnesses make or break the case, or maybe they don't make or break it, but they're, they're pretty important. Yeah. And Leverage. here's what I know of, of human behavior. I've, I've done this in criminal defense and with personal injury is it's great to be first for the witnesses because when those witnesses start getting approached for the second and the third and the fourth time, guess what? They throw up barriers and say, I already talked to this guy. I'm not talking to you. So getting in on the ground floor with the witnesses and maybe that witness will think like, Hey, you know, Mike or Matt, they're, they're decent guys. I'll, I'll answer their questions again, getting in close with witnesses, obviously in a, in a professional uh, manner is very worthwhile. And that's the other thing I like about personal injury cases is you tend to be the first to punch, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, And there's definitely some social engineering that's involved in, in uh you know steering that in a way that that it needs to go so we're, we're going to jump out and take a break here um then we're going to jump back in i mean this is like you got me salivating here because this, this is my wheel <laughs> this is what i love talking about and uh, i'll try not to hog the conversation for the next 25 minutes or so. okay. uh and, and we'll get your perspective on it because that that is the reason that you're here um but i get very passionate about this stuff so um everybody uh sit tight and we will be right back you guys have been hearing uh for a long time about how much i love cross tracks but now you're going to hear from somebody else so we got george gergis here george is a member and user of cross tracks george tell me real quickly what you love about cross tracks the simplicity of using it and the ability to customize everything that you could do with cross tracks is awesome it actually allowed me to take the way that I do my business and implement it into their system. And not only am I able to manage 10 or 15 cases, I'm able to manage 50 to 100 cases with the same effort. Fantastic. So Crosstracks, um, the case management system, they are SOC 2 certified. Basically, that's an encryption, really an upgrade. They're the only ones out there that are doing it. So please support this great sponsor that supports our show. Uh, check them out. The links are in the show notes. Cross tracks. If you're an investigator, you should be using them today. Check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Are you an investigative professional with an international problem you can't solve? Conflict International has the knowledge and relationships to jump in for you. We compensate investigators for referring cases to our office. Contact us today for details. Conflict International uses insight, intelligence, investigation, risk management, and strategic solutions to solve problems troubling individuals and companies of all kinds anywhere around the world. 
Whether you're planning to hire a person to a position of trust, carry out due diligence on a company, trace hidden assets, or require skilled boots on the ground, Conflict International investigators can seamlessly pursue a case across borders, offering a truly global solution. Find out about our extensive range of services at conflictinternational.com. Conflict International. Global reach. International knowledge. Do you enjoy our podcast and the guests we bring you? Since 2019, Matt and his team have done their very best to give you amazing shows each week. If you feel like our show has helped you to be a better investigator, or maybe even inspired you to become an investigator, please let us know. We're looking for testimonials. Drop Matt an email with a recorded 20 to 30 seconds of you talking about this podcast. You can also email him something verbal about the website. His email is matthews at satellitepi.com. And if you really feel blessed for having this content, consider supporting Matt and our show by joining Investigators Toolbox. You really have to see version 2.0. And at just 49 cents a day, it's a no-brainer. Now let's jump in to this week's episode. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today, we're here with Mike Spencer from Spencer Legal Investigations in California. Mike, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, so great to have you here. And uh, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth, you know, and we can really uh, just go back and forth here. Uh, We're talking personal injury investigations today and um, just how to succeed um, in, in getting that kind of work, how to service accounts and, um, um, you know, what to really look for and, um, you know, how to make sure you're, you're, you're being very diligent in, in, in what you're doing. Um, so it, it, there's a technique to it before we uh, tapped out, we talked about witness statements and social engineering. So I want to, I want to go back into that. Um, just because you have someone's witness uh, information, right? A telephone number and address, something like, like that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to talk to you and doesn't necessarily mean they're a favorable witness either. Right. Always know how you're going to lose your case is something that's super important. Um, but also, you know, realizing when you can win it and how to steer it. So what's been your experience with social engineering and how do you approach uh, a witness from the cold? I tell them you know, who I am, who I'm working for. I try to be pretty plain spoken and like, Hey, you're a witness and we need to interview you. I will say things too, you know, witnesses invariably get cold feet and I'll say something like, you know, they'll always be like, am I going to have to testify? And mm-hmm. I'll say, look, you know, probably 90 or 95% of civil cases settle, but yes, there's a chance right. you could be deposed. There could be a trial. I lay out all the possibilities, but I, I always tell them you are an important witness, uh, what you have to say is, is significant. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't downplay it. I try not to upplay it. It's just be as honest as you can while still letting them know you're very interested in what they have to say. Yeah. I mean, there's some good nuggets here that you, you, you throw, you throw out, right. Don't ever tell somebody they won't have to testify because you don't know. Right. So I always, approach that as at this point, nobody's interested in bringing you in for deposition or trial or anything like that. In fact, your version of what happened may settle the claim. And that's why we're here talking today. That's really tricky too. Cause like I, I, it's a 
careful thing to say, but what I what I almost want to say is, what I would like to say is, look, if we get enough evidence to overwhelm them, there won't be a trial. But right. I, I just kind of hold back on that. But I, I want yeah. to. Yeah, and it's like the reason that you do something like that, approach it in that way, um, is you're 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 creating value for that person. You're you're making them feel important. You know that 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 their their account is like the most important thing of this horrible thing that happened, and you're letting that person insert themselves into the story, because we we like to do that, right? Look at me talking about, hey, I'm at this trial lawyers thing, and I'm sitting next to two judges, right? Inserting myself in the narrative, right? People love to do it when they're when they're talking about things and just kind of understanding that. Um, never pressuring anybody, saying, "Hey, you're going to get subpoenaed. Talk to me, or else give me a statement." Or you know, process server's knocking on the door next. Don't do that. You know, yeah, that's the rest now. Don't make idle threats. Don't yeah. bluff. Don't bluster. Don't do it. I learned it from being a, a newspaper reporter because I saw just the absolutely scummy behavior by broadcast and tv journalists like burning witnesses <laughs> and just shoving a, a mic in their face or whatever when they are at tears and just utterly taking advantage and i always thought as a as a print reporter you're probably going to need people down the line you don't want those families complaining to your managing editor like so-and-so just caught me at my worst moment and stole a family photo off the refrigerator. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You definitely don't want to be that guy. Um, yeah, but just understanding, like at the end of the day, <clears throat> we get a job to do, right? We want to be successful. We want that person to cooperate. So you're, you're creating a comfort level. You know, one of the other interesting things post-COVID that's taking place now is the industry's... Um, shift towards virtual depositions right yeah they took place before covid they were starting to like get into it but now almost everybody's doing it now they love it i mean in new york anyways like everybody loves doing it they've they've actually made past laws that you're able to do it you know out of state now there's certain guidelines you're going to follow um, but but you're able to do it and there's that shift right so Oh, do I got to take a day off and go to court or go to go right, get not, not quite as painful as it used to be. Not really. You know how to zoom. All you do is got to hop on. Maybe it'll take an hour out of your life or, or, or two hours, but you, you get to give your version of what happened. Right. And, um, and then you, you know, obviously say, you know, Hey, listen, if it was your family member or you were injured, you would want somebody to do that as well. Right. right? You, you, always, we always, you always run into the witness too, like, Am I going to get paid? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, like, I've had people well, tell me, like, you, you got to give me an iPhone. Yo, that iPhone 8 is really nice. I want that iPhone 8. I'll give you what you need. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't need. had that yet, but yeah. people want payment. And I'm like, well, you might get a $40 witness fee, but sorry. That's I tell well, $40, that's, that's federal court, maybe. In New York, it's like 18, you know? They're like, yeah. I'm going to get paid. Yeah, enjoy your $18 check. It won't even cover your parking <laughs> or gas to get there. Um, just a sandwich, maybe. I don't know how it is in California, but but when people do come in to give uh, to testify on cases and they're taking time off, it is permissible to allow them to be compensated for the time of work that they're missing. However, it can't just be blank willy nilly. Oh, I make five hundred dollars an hour. You know, it's not yeah. like that. It's more like you got to show a pay stub, and it's right. like, hey, you were here for three hours. We'll we'll give you that, and maybe travel time and. And all that. So it, you're allowed to do that. I don't know how it is in California. I, 
I've heard a couple things that that seems fair to me and legit. I just don't know if, if it's part of the civil system. It, it, it probably should be. Yeah. I mean, listen, people's times are times valuable. Um, I just got a questionnaire for jury duty in the mail the other day. I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> I used to, I used to, I used to, my wife is like, my wife and her sister are working women. They're like jury bait. <laughs> they get yeah. it like three times a year. Yeah. And I wrote a letter one time, like 10 years ago, that basically said, look, I'm kind of like a cop. Yeah. And I haven't been called since. Yeah. So, um, I got called for jury duty like within a month or two of me starting my business. And I, I remember I was there and I get in front of the judge and I'm like, your honor, like I, I'm kind of in the business. Like I've, I've worked on cases against the city and this was a city case. And I'm like, he's like, what are you prejudiced? I'm like, no, I'm not prejudiced, but um, you know, there's kind of a conflict of interest here. Like I am soliciting business from personal injury attorneys that are suing the city. Like I really shouldn't be here. He's like, are you saying you you can't uh, you know, be fair and all that? I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. He goes, well, then you should serve. I'm like, okay. I started my business like a month or two ago. I'm going to be out of business if I got to sit here for a month, you know, for for this trial. I'm like, I really can't do it. And he he looks over at the attorneys and he, and he's like, what do you want to do? And they're like, you can let him go. And the judge goes back down to the jury pool. You're not excused, but you're back in the pool. I was like, I hate you. <laughs> so I ended up not getting called uh, again, but man, I was like freaking out because I'm like, literally, okay, this is going to put me out of business, man. Like, this is not cool. Um, but it wasn't in the cards. So um, we'll see now. It's just a question here. It's not actual call for jury duty. So we got to serve. We got to serve. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, so, yeah. So the social engineering of that is important. We, you had talked to earlier about, you know, we have certain clientele that you know, we have very strong relationships with their, their excellent payers. Um, you know, everything's going smoothly. Um, but then there's that transition where somebody takes over the firm, maybe another partner. Um, I've had situations where I've had that super comfortable client. I'm talking like 12, 13, 14, 15 years. And from out of nowhere, boom, just gone. Right. And, yeah. and like a, a big client I'm talking, we were getting 35, 40 assignments a month from, the, from this firm. And it's like, wow, what happened? And it's just like, oh, uh, the, the founder of the firm uh, is kind of retiring. The new person that came in um, wants to go in a different direction or they don't, they don't think it's there. Like that kind of stuff happens. Nothing in life is guaranteed. And, and the opposite too, which is I worked for this guy who he gave me some cases, but he would hire younger associates. Mm -hmm. And a couple of his younger associates have really gone on out on their own to be like big, aggressive personal injury. And so I've, I've gone along with the ride oh, yeah. with them. So the sometimes yeah. it works out that way too. Yeah. So there, there are two ways that can happen, right? So there's the, the employee, right? The, either the paralegal or the attorney who goes off on their own or either they're working in another firm or they start their own firm and they're bringing you along you know, listen, you do quality work, they're going to, they're going to take you along. And there's that comfort level. They know your style, what you're doing, but then there's the situation. And I've, I've had this happen a few times where you've done a report on a case and, and maybe the case gets substituted out to another law firm and they go and they look at your work product. And they're going, wow, this guy's much better than the person we're using. We definitely need to use this person. Right. So I've had that happen a few times. Um, and then I've actually had 
where uh, a firm that um, is a defense firm um, sees my work and uh, I don't do defense work. That, that's, that's my thing. I'm plaintiff only. Uh, I don't know if you're that way. I pretty much am too. Yeah. I'm so, like 98% plaintiff. Yeah. So, so I'm 100% plaintiff only. And that's kind of what I'm known as. And um, a, a defense firm, like they'll see my work product and then the next plaintiff case they get, because some defense firms end up doing plaintiff work. They're like, hey, let's get the guy that's that sizzled us on this last case that that just destroyed our whole theory. Like he was good. Let's get him and 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 use his people to do it. So, um, you know, I've gotten work that way too. So it's like you never know where your work product is going to go. Um, these people uh, that go out and do other jobs that that work at other firms or they start their own own businesses, those are essentially your salespeople. They are advocates. You know, if you do a good job, they're going to sell your product for you, which is amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah, really, really, really good stuff. So just keeping that in the back of your mind, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind is something that's really important too, right. Understanding you, know, you had talked about earlier about, Oh, you know, COVID, I wasn't really, uh, you know, doing what I was supposed to be doing getting out there. I mean, listen, it was hard for everybody. Uh, I remember I, there were situations I was calling up attorneys and we weren't even talking about cases. We were talking about like cooking. Yeah. Hey, what are you cooking these days? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff, uh, just not knowing when everything was going to get back to normal. Uh, but so I think the, um, I've, I've heard this analogy before from people, and the reason you you go out and put yourself out there is sort of how people's minds work. They're trying to recall information, and if they know the names of five or ten investigators, because you got out there a little bit. Well, guess who they're going to think of? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I met this guy two months ago. Yeah. So that's, in theory, that's kind of how it works. I had a guy recently that he was an associate at a firm, a well-known firm, and um, we, we did some work for them. And I think like five or six years passed, he ended up going to a different firm and he became the managing partner of that firm. And He's like, hey, he calls me up. He says, hey, remember me? I was like, yeah, I remember you. He goes, remember how I was just getting started in the business? I was like, yeah, I do. He goes, well, I'm the managing partner over at this firm now. And, and I love the work that you did. So I'd like to bring you in on this, you know, this project and, and going forward. You know, now I'm allowed to make the calls and you know, like call the shots on who I'm hiring. And, and you know, we like to bring you guys in. So I've had that happen a few times too, which is pretty neat. So you just never know. You got to be, uh, you got to be consistent with the work that you do. Um, here's another thing be incredibly consistent with your billing, right? I don't care if the case is a, a multi-million dollar case or if it's a $25,000 case, you have to bill consistently the same time. Do not mark it up because, uh, you know, you're there. So you had referenced earlier, hey, $10,000 on, on witness statements. Yes, if it calls for it, if there's that much work to be done on it and there's liability there, yes. But if it's like, one statement, you got a million dollar case. Hey, here's a ten thousand dollar bill because you know nah, it's that and all that. Don't do that. No, no. They'll pay, they'll pay your bill and you'll never get called again. And then you'll just get a bad reputation as, as somebody who overcharges. Because that's another way that that you pick up cases, you pick up clients. Is they're, uns, they're they're not satisfied with the people that are doing their work because they're the the investigator is maybe have questionable billing practices, bad work product. You know stuff like that, or maybe they get too big, and and I they're think just it's, it's overwhelmed. Two things. It's and it's. I've heard it talked about all the time. So have you. So has anyone who's in the business for any amount of time. It's 
are you providing value? Yeah. Is your information really helping them? And that's really what it comes down to. And it's, yeah. it's the thing about our business is it is one case at a time, you know, backpack. You did a great job on the last case. Right. That's the last case. So it, it's just, it's always that you climb the mountain and you fall off and you yep. start again. And that's, sometimes that's really hard. Human nature, we maybe we want to coast a little bit, but the business demands, just give it your best on each and every case. Just consistency. You know, we, we can never predict the outcome, right? But what I can predict, and I tell this to my clients all the time, I can guarantee you. We will guarantee, I'll guarantee the effort 100%. We will be consistent with the effort on how we approach this, but what we find it is what it is. Like I said before, always know how you're going to lose your case, you know, and, and my clients are, are okay with that. Like they're okay with paying me to find out they don't have a case. They would rather do that than spend years uh, or 10, $20,000 on an expert when liability is questionable, right? Injuries, are liability is questionable. One of the stories that's in my book, and it just always just stands out because it, it really proves the value of the investigation. There was a little old lady crossing the street in San Francisco, like 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and a garbage truck made a right on red mm -hmm. and just like, this is gross, but it basically almost like took the skin right off her body. Yeah. She was like an inch, you know, inch away from death, grandmother of seven or eight. And I found that really the only witness to it was a homeless guy who I could only contact via the liquor store where he cashed his checks. Exactly. And the morning and this guy, he he was a he was a, a war veteran, but he's a pretty messed up guy. But his account of what he gave me. And then we brought him in for the deposition. And of course we had to like get him some clothes so we right. wouldn't smell and, right. and get to him early enough in the day. So that he really hadn't gotten his drink on too much. But the attorney told me later that guy made the case. They mm -hmm. hammered on him for three or three and a half hours in the deposition. And that homeless guy never wavered. Yeah. Truth is and, be the same hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And the, the attorney settled that one for like five or six million. And I think that guy got like some clothes and I got him breakfast at McDonald's. There you go. That's the way life works. That, that's the way it is. I mean, I, I had a case in uh, Flushing, New York, um, where there was a, a dude that was selling Christmas trees on the side of the road. who was my star witness. Um, and um you know, that's a transient business. Like you're literally there for six weeks and then you're gone, you know, if that, and uh, just being able to get that guy and lock him down and then find him later on um, made that case for, for my client and they never forgot it. They're like, wow, I was so amazed how you were able to find this guy, you know, and, and just get what we needed to get with it. And, and I didn't want to tell him how easy it was because it was super easy, but I got him what he needed, you know, and at the end of the yeah. day, that's all that matters, you know? Um, so we're going to wind down here in, in just a minute, but what advice could you give to investigators that are, you know, looking to get into this, um, this vertical uh, that are maybe either just starting off or maybe, you know, they haven't really dipped their uh, toes into personal injury. What, what, give me, give me three things that you could give them 
uh, that would be super, super important. I'm putting you on the spot. You have to check your biases. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not really, even though as much as we do personal injury and, and, you know, we think maybe we're advocates for the injured or whatever, we're not, we're not advocates. That's the attorney's job. So check your biases. So if you have a hard time with someone getting a million or $2 because they're in an auto accident or a piece of machinery at work failed or whatever, if you have a problem with that, then doing personal injury investigations is not for you. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you have to get to the witnesses very quickly. Don't, don't dawdle. Don't put it off. Right. Third, be capable of having relationships with not just the lawyers, but their staffs. Mm -hmm. So that if you had questions you will feel comfortable in asking them like, Hey, I'm a little confused by this. Right. What do you need? It should be a collaborative process with, yep. with you and the lawyers. And I tell the lawyers too, I'd say, don't just give us stuff and say, go investigate. We're a team here. We need to check in every, every few weeks. So those would just be the quick things that I'd tell yeah. people. Yeah. I always ask like, what's your theory on liability? you know, understanding the mechanics of, of the accident. I think another tip would be if you're law enforcement prior, understand that you're not investigating a crime, you're investigating civil litigation, and there's a different threshold for responsibility. Um, when you Also, when you're talking about biases, consider alternate possibilities. Have a theory on, on how something happened, but you have to consider alternate possibilities on how it could have happened. Um, don't, don't 100% say, and, and, you know, when when you, when you have that background, you're just like, I know how this happened. I can tell you exactly how it happened. Right. Don't approach it that way. Um, and when you show up to a scene to do an investigation, wait, you know, take it all in, go, go check everything out before you start really digging in, take, take five, 10 minutes and just look at the scene and just understand everything that's involved here. I almost, I, I equate it to like Sherlock Holmes. Uh, the the Robert Downey version where in your mind, you just see how things happen, right? If you slow down and you just try and think through the process of, of how it could, could have happened. And then, you know, all right, well, let's, it didn't happen that way. Okay. It could have happened this way. It didn't happen that way. And it's almost like very scientific on it, just rolling out alternate possibilities and whatever's left is probably what happened, right? That kind of approach. The, uh, the other analogy I use is, I'm always dealing in sports metaphors. It's like in baseball, we're like the middle relievers. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. trying to get the case. And the closers, the Mariano Rivera's are like, the, they're the real auto experts and the real Dating yourself, scientists. Original New Yorker. Stuff. <laughs> Mariano Rivera. Dating himself as an original New Yorker who's now on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, Mariano's the best. Right. You know, so it, we're, it, we're trying to get the case to the specialist and then they're the ones who typically that's why they get the big bucks because they're really really smart yeah i mean setting the table for the engineers and giving them exactly what they need is that's a whole nother show for another day um so we're we're, going to wind down here mike thank you so much for for jumping on um and giving your perspective on on how to handle this stuff i hope i didn't hog up too much of the no 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 pleasure pleasure to meet you good good dialogue by personal injury investigators yeah this is great i thank you everybody for tuning in 
Uh, we hope you learned something here and, uh, you know, obviously reach out to either one of us if you have any questions on, on how to do this stuff. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the next show. Take care. Thank you to Mike for jumping on and having a great chat with Matt. Thanks also to Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring the show. Remember to tell them that you listen to us to save $50 when you apply for insurance. Additional thanks to the PI Institute for Education, Scope Now, Crosstracks, and Conflict International for sponsoring us. Also, don't forget about our investigatorstoolbox.com deal. You can type in version 2.0, 25% to save 50 bucks when you do join. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com and you can find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back soon with a new show, so make sure you tune in, follow us on all social media platforms, especially YouTube, and please stay safe out there.